Thank you for checking out this resource from Grace Chapel. If you're interested in finding more resources or you'd like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by going to gconline.org forward slash watch. How y'all doing? I need your help. Who wants to help? Everybody, thank you. I don't know who that is, but man, I love volunteers. Um, what I need you to do is just slide in. Uh, we have uh, more people than we have space right now, so just slide in, find, save some space for people. And if you have some space next to you, we might put some people next to you. We just, uh, we're running out of some, some chairs. <clears throat> So this is what I want to want you to do as you as you do that. Look at the person next to you because you're sitting next to somebody, right? Um, most likely. Uh, look at him and say, "You are loved." Uh huh. Now say it like you actually mean it, because some of you I watched some of you and you were like, you, "You're loved." I'm like, dude, you're, you're messing with them. Don't do that. You ready? Look at the person and say it like you mean it. You are loved. Go ahead. Now, didn't that feel good? You know what's amazing? And I, I do want you to hear this. We don't hear that enough. But we're not just loved by other people. You're loved by the God who created you, gave you breath and life. That's an amazing truth. So as you gather here today, if you walk out of this place and you don't realize that you are loved incredibly by the God who created you, you've missed it. And so I want you to grab a hold of that right to begin with, you are loved. And the one thing that God has told us as we receive that is that we are to love other people. Amen? Amen. I'll say it like you mean it. Amen? Amen. Yeah, all right. That's a weird church thing, but we do it. Um, anyways, um, I'm letting you know that we're doing the Acts 29. I'm going to take about five minutes here, and I'm going to press into this. Acts 29 is how we can love other people. Now, if you're a Bible person, you'll know that Acts only has 28 chapters. You might be looking this up going, I got to figure out what pastor's talking about, Acts 29. You're not going to get there. It's not there. This is where the book of Acts, we put into action, the church is literally doing, we are the message, we're doing what God has told us to do, to love the people around us and show them the love of Jesus. And so Acts 29 is all about that, and I want to encourage you to be a part of that. We're doing that on August 8th. Sunday, August 8th, two weeks from today. But I got to give you some instructions regarding that because last year it was canceled and the two years pre previous uh, to that, we did it and it was amazing. But in order to do it this year, we needed to do it differently. And so I'm, I need to give some instruction as to what that will look like. I'm very excited about this. We're going to have one service 10 o'clock, so you, got, you guys don't have to do a thing. Um, it's the 8.30 service, they, they have to come a little later. But 
It's going to be at 10 o'clock, and as you can see, if we're going to hold one service, you're probably saying, I don't think it's going to work. We don't have space now. Well, the reality is we're going to have a live stream feed over in the barn that's going to be worked for the first time that Sunday. We're going to have a couple hundred seats over there at least. And so it's going to be an awesome time, and we're going to invite you to be a part of this where the entire church can be together. Over a year and a half it's been, maybe two years since we've all come together, we're coming together. Are you excited about that? We're all coming together. So distance and all that, we're just going to come together. Yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm speaking to you people live stream right now because I know this is live. I want this to be a moment where you consider coming back. I'm going to encourage you, let this be the week you come back. We've missed a lot of people. If, if you're out there, and honestly, I, I hear stories of this all the time, even heard about it this week, is um, just different people in the church calling other people that they haven't seen in a while and saying, hey, man, I was thinking about you. I haven't seen you. means the world. So I want you to do this. I want you to think of somebody, reach out to somebody, and invite them to Acts 29, August 8th. Let that be a special week for us. Uh, as we get to share together. Now, what we do is we ask you, listen, we're not going to have you tithe that week. All the money that you would normally give to the church that week, we're going to, we're going to ask you to invest that into things that will help stock the food pantries in Auburn and the Pregnancy Care Center. Two years ago when we did this, we... we, um, we spent $25,000 in two hours to be able to do all of that. We had this huge truck that was full of stuff, and we just blessed people. Isn't it fun to bless people? It's awesome. And so this year, we want to do the same. We're just going to ask you, listen, church is not about us. Church is the way that God has organized believers to bless other people around us. And so we're going to bless people that day. And I want you to be a part of it. Some specifics I want you to hear. This is really important. We have partnered with Wegmans and Auburn to make this happen. And you might be like, I can go to Costco and get four times as much. Well, that's probably not quite true. But we have partnered with Wegmans and Auburn, and they have agreed to actually stock the, the things that we need to purchase so that we can make this happen. Otherwise, you can go to a store. It would be out of whatever supplies that we need. We've worked with Wegmans and Auburn for years, and they have done this, and they said, again, they would do this for us. This is what I need you to do. Shop at Wegmans and Auburn. We have a list that we have given. Actually, we ask each Food pantry, what do you need? We asked the pregnancy care center, what do you need? They told us what they need. We're going to go get it, and then we're going to give it to them. And so it's very specific. This isn't random stuff. This is specific stuff. So Wegmans has agreed to actually um, put all of that, stock their shelves with that to purchase enough of it for us to be able to accomplish this well. Now, this is the second thing, not just Wegmans and Auburn, but when. Today, we're going to give you bags. 
They say Acts 29 on them. We're going to ask that you fill it with at least $25 worth of goods. You can take as many bags as you want, as long as you fill as many bags as you take. Um, but this is the deal. Don't shop until next Sunday. So it's between next Sunday and August 8th, that the Sunday we're going to hold Acts 29. So that week is the week that Wegmans is prepared for us. So don't go in there and stroll in there today and go, yeah, I'm going to get a jump on this. No, don't get a jump on it. Somebody actually needs those supplies, and you're going to take them from them. So they've prepared that week for us. So August 1st to August 8th, they have partnered with us to, to stock the shelves full of these things. So on your way out today, this is the deal. There's a list that you can take. It'll show you exactly what they want. There are bags that you can take that have the big Acts 29 stamp on them. Take as many as you want to fill. And then purchase it between August 1st and August 8th. Bring it to church. Do not bring it in the church until we tell you to. Otherwise, it will be total chaos in here. I like chaos. It's the other people around me. They're nervous about it. But I'm okay with it. But keep it in your car until we tell you to go get it, and then we'll bring it in, and we're going to have an incredible celebration. We're also going to have a picnic that day. So this isn't just how we can bless the community. This is how we can grow our community. And I'm excited about this, and it, it should be a blast. A couple things we need with that is we probably don't have enough chairs for everyone in tables and stuff. Bring your own lawn chair uh, if you have a little pop-up table. I don't know if there's such a thing. You can bring it. Um, but anything to just help uh, that time where we just gather together, sit in circles and enjoy each other. We're going to provide all the food, all the drink, all the fun, and we're just going to have a big, big celebration that day. This is what we need from you. As you leave here today, remember I told you there are bags and lists, but there's also on the tables sign-up sheets. We need people to help with the picnic and the packing. If you want to help with the packing, that's, you'll see sign-up sheets there. Help sort at the tables, help pack boxes, help wrap the boxes, help put them on the truck, and then deliver them. You can be any part of that. Then help with the picnic. We need setup. We need cleanup. We need people to man the bounce house. Uh, we actually bought this really cool thing. Uh, we rented it. It's an obstacle course for the kids. I still think the elders should do it, and I'll time them. We'll, we'll make them race. I like this. Brilliant idea. Um, but anyways, uh, we've got this obstacle course. I mean, it's huge. It's massive. Kids are going to love it. It's going to be a wonderful time. Listen, this is a celebration. Be a part of it. And if you're watching online, let this be your time to come back and join us. Wow, that was a lot, but it was good. I'm not going to lie. It was good. I remember years ago, uh, I have an opportunity to just bless people when they didn't know you were blessing them. You ever do that? Just, you're able to bless somebody and they, they don't, you don't tell them that you're coming. You don't even let them know you were there. You just bless them. You know what's funny is you look on their face and they tell the story, you know, God provided this and it was amazing how he did it. And they're all excited. 
You know, my heart was rejoicing way more than their heart because it's always more blessed to give than receive. And we're, we want to be a giving church, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do it well. So, Father, this morning, as we just put this before you, we ask that you would use this in a powerful way to impact our community, to meet the needs of people. But more importantly, God, may they know that you love them. May this church be a beacon that doesn't just have walls around this light, but may light shine into our communities and you be present there through the conversations, through the giving, through all the different things. Father, we give this to you. Use this powerfully for your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. One of these days I'm going to get excited about this. We're in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. This is going to be fun. This is one of those strap-in, let's-go uh, passages. Last week, we talked about Ecclesiastes 3, and it was talking about the seasons of life. You know, one thing that you realize with seasons is this. You don't get to choose your season. You don't get to choose your season. We talked about God's providence, that he allows different seasons to happen in our life. What we do get to choose is how we respond in the season that we are placed. So no matter where you are in life, God has allowed you to be there. It's how you respond in that moment that is most important. And so today in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, we see three realities that Solomon identifies and he speaks to us about, and it's critical that we do business with them. The one thing that I've, I've seen with some of these realities is we can deny them, we can ignore them, we can confront them, and we can face them. One, one of those will happen. But sometimes what happens in life is, as long as it's not happening to me, I'm going to ignore it. It's not happening. It's almost like the person going to the doctor and they, they find out, man, you've, you've got this problem inside of you. If I don't see it, it's not a problem. No, it's a problem. Whether you like it or not. And so when we get to this passage, some of these things apply directly to us and some of these things exist around us and it will be how we respond to them that will be critical so i want to take you through this passage grab your bibles look up on the screen either one and we're going to read ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 1 through 12 he says again i saw the oppressions that are done under the sun and behold the tears of the oppressed and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. And I thought the dead who were already dead more fortunate than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been and has not yet seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. Then I saw all the toil and all the skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This is also vanity and a striving after the wind. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and striving after the wind. Again, I saw vanity under the sun, one person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches. 
so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This is also vanity and unhappy business. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone. When he falls, he has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. And how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. There are three realities that I want you to see that Solomon identifies in this passage that I think we need to press into. And the first one that he identifies is this, the hopelessness of oppression. The hopelessness of oppression. When you start reading this chapter, it's like it it reveals something that maybe I'm not as aware of, but it's real. And it's happening all around us. Powerful people of power and people of influence can often exploit those around them for their own good and beat them down and push them down and use them in such a way that God never intended or desires. It's oppression. And when we talk about oppression, I mean, I talk to some people and are like, well, you know, I don't make as much as the guy next to me. You know, he makes a dollar more. I'm not talking about somebody who hasn't, he's making a little bit more than you. What I'm talking about is the reality of oppression to this level. That there are things like human trafficking, ch- child sex trafficking. There can be physical or sexual abuse. There can be abortion. I'm talking about the realities of the people who have no voice who have no ability to change something. They feel helpless and powerless. And it's in those moments, he says this. This is what I want you to feel. The depth of what he says is this. It would be better if I was dead. When you get to a point like that, that's a pretty low point in life. That You say, you know, it would be better if I were dead than to go through what I have to go through. And then he even says it a different way because he realizes that if you were dead, you still went through it to that point. He says, it would be better that you were never born. Now this begins to unearth the reality of the depth of what he's saying. He's saying, there are some things that are so painful and they're so hurtful that it would be better if you didn't exist. And I'm gonna tell you, some of these realities that occur in our world are sick, they're evil, They're wrong. And what he says here is they have no comforter. There's no one to come alongside of them. Comforter means somebody who has compassion that's looking to deliver them and free them from the oppression that they're facing. We're talking about over 100 million people, children in the sex trafficking industry. If there's something I'll give my life to, it's freeing them. If there's something I want, I want to help make a difference. And as we sit here today, a lot of times what happens is we say, well, that's happening somewhere else in the world. No, it's happening here. It's happening around us. We're oblivious to it half the time. But the statistics in the United States are crazy. 
and evil is rampant around us. And we must understand that those who are oppressed feel like, I just, I want relief. I need somebody to help me, but there's no one to help them. I need somebody who will deliver me and free me from this bondage, but there's nobody there to do that. Have you ever felt helpless and powerless? It's a terrible place to be. You know what you need, but you have no power, no ability to accomplish it. And that's what Solomon says, these are the evils that I see in the world. And they're overwhelming. And the picture of what Christ has done is he came to be an advocate for us to deliver us. We were oppressed and he delivered us. We were prisoners and he set us free from sin and death. We understand that. Spiritual oppression, he came to deliver. Physical oppression, we need to also reflect his heart to the world around us, to care about those who have no voice, who can't stand for themselves, who are in silence. We need to stand for them as Jesus has stood for us. I love Luke 4, verse 18. And he says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Those who are oppressed. Actually in Psalm 146, he reminds us that Jesus, God himself will execute justice on oppression. One day, those who are going through this, God will make every wrong right. But as we go through this, we as his people should care about the oppression that is around us. My heart breaks. It breaks to think that there's innocent children that are being used. And I want you to hear this. They are used as something to be enjoyed instead of someone to be respected. We need to change things. People are not objects to be used. They are people to be respected. And we need to get back to that in our society, whether it's in in, in homes, physical or sexual abuse, whether it's child trafficking, human trafficking, abortion, all of that. These are people who need to be valued and respected. I don't know about you, but I want to be a voice for him. I'm sure you're familiar with the statement that the only thing for evil to triumph is good people to do nothing, to be silent. And it's very easy if it doesn't affect us that we can stand at a distance where we can stand with our head in the sand and we can say, it doesn't matter, it's not going to make a difference. Listen, it does for them. Think of the people who are oppressed around you and and be a voice, make a difference, care. Let your heart be drawn. It says that they have no comfort. They they need an advocate, not a, a shoulder to cry on, but someone who deeply cares. Love the song by Lauren Daigle entitled Rescue. Man, I I almost like cry every time I hear it because it's just talking about people who are hopeless and need somebody to search for them, somebody to help them. 
And the truth is, that is the picture of Jesus. He stepped into our hopeless situation, and he brought hope, deliverance, and freedom. And we need to care about that with those around us. I thought about evil, and I thought, you know, evil is a powerful thing. But love is more powerful. Can we just believe that? I mean, evil is powerful. I see it all around. But God's love in man's heart is always more powerful than the evil that surrounds us. So we see Solomon identifies this reality of the hopelessness of oppression. Then he also identifies the emptiness of envy. Yeah. He, he again talks about this futility of heaping up and amassing all this stuff, thinking it's going to make you happy. And the truth is, it doesn't. He actually says this, he goes, a lot of this materialism, this pursuit of stuff is born out of envy. Now think about that. It's about... The, the difference between contentment and want is envy. I see something that someone else has and I want it, therefore I'm not content with what I have. If, if we just take a pause and we say this, if I never saw what someone else had, would I be content with what I have? Probably. Probably, I mean, you, you see it with physical things like, you know, I love my house until I saw my neighbors <laughs> or my friends. I love my car until I saw that other car. I love my wife. You see where this is going, right? <laughs> but everybody's eyes are always on what they don't have and they've forgotten what they have. And it is a thief. And I'm here to tell you, Envy is a thief. It will rob you of the very contentment that God wants for you. And I'm watching people of faith be robbed blind. They're robbed blind. They're always striving. I need one more thing. I mean, you know what he says? He says one handful of quietness is better than two handfuls of striving and toil. We have lost the beauty of what it means to enjoy just what God has given, instead of always be looking for what we don't have because of this. Listen to what he says. He says, the eyes of man are never satisfied. That's envy. It's just the reality that material things will never fulfill the heart or soul of mankind. Never will happen. It's like this big barrel, and you're pouring water in it, and you're pouring water in it, and you've lost sight of the fact that in the bottom is a drain. And as quickly as you're pouring water in it, it's emptying out. It will never be filled. And that's the picture of our heart. He says, you can add all these things to it. Oh, I need that. I need this. I need that. And you amass all this stuff. It will never fill you. It will never fulfill you. Actually, it'll end up in a yard sale somewhere, sometime. <laughs> and then I'll buy it. <laughs> and then I'll sell it. Oh, man. Life's so weird, isn't it? It's so weird. 
But contentment truly comes from our relationship with God, not the attainment of things. I want to tell you this quick story. There's a guy who was fishing on the beach. Another man shows up. He sees him. He says, hey, man, what are you doing? He goes, I'm fishing. He goes, you catching anything? He goes, um, yeah. He goes, well, what are you doing with the fish? He goes, well, I'm throwing them back. He goes, well, why are you doing that? Why not? He goes, because you could sell them. He goes, why would I sell them? He goes, so you could buy another pole. Well, why would I want another pole? So you can catch more fish. Well, why would I want to catch more fish? That way you could buy a boat. Well, why would I want to buy a boat? So you could catch even more fish. Well, why would I want to catch more fish? So you could buy a fleet of boats. Well, why would I want a fleet of boats? He says, so you can retire and go fishing on the beach. <laughs> you got the picture. Hair's on fire and they're cruising, man. You know, and they've forgotten. This is the beauty of what it is. Don't miss the value and the worth of contentment. The last thing Solomon talks about here is not just the emptiness of envy. It will never be filled. It's a thief. It's a robber. It will steal you blind. He's not just talking about the hopelessness of oppression, but he then goes down and he talks about the deficiency of aloneness. The deficiency of aloneness. In this, this uh, part of the passage, a lot of times we attribute to like weddings. Oh, I heard that before. And you see the bride and the groom and they're like weaving rope together and stuff. It's a picture of this passage. It's appropriate. It's right. It's beautiful. But it's way bigger than marriage. He's talking about our humanity. The reality is in this section, we see it. Again, he says this, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone. When he falls, he has no other to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Here in this passage, we see the, the value of companionship and community. You know what we have in our society, in our world? I would say in our culture specific, is we celebrate independence. We are self-made. We are independent. We are courageous. We're all of this. And we're alone. And we have lost the beauty of the way God designed us. We have lost the value of what it means to walk with another. And I'm not just talking about the culture around us. Listen, if the church doesn't get this right, then, man, we have no hope to get it right. We've got to get it right. It's not just happening out there. It's happening in here. We got to get this right and realize that we can be surrounded by people but feel alone. We need the value of real relationship, true companionship in our lives. We need to walk with people. We need to be known by people. That's the way God created us. I've had somebody, they say, uh, 
It might even be a statement, you know, God and me are enough. I'm like, oh, that sounds good. I just don't know if it's true. And you're like, well, what do you mean it's not true? Because God didn't create just you and him. He created you to be in community with others. That was his design. And sometimes we're like, forget the design, you and me, God. No, no, no. He's looking back and going, what are you, stupid? I designed you to be in community with those around you. And you're like, you and me, God. He's like, oh, man, can we get this? There is so much value to real, authentic relationship, companionship, community, and we've lost the beauty of what it looks like, what it feels like, what it actually experience of the essence of it. And we need to get back to it. Listen to the four things he mentions. He said, when you have another person walking with you, there is joy, joy in your toil, joy in your work. You can do something. You can do it. Like, have you ever watched that show, Dirty Jobs? Yeah, you ever see that? I don't even know if it's still on, but I watched it a few times. I'm like, dude, I'm glad I'm not him. You know, but all these dirty jobs. Imagine doing it alone, and they weren't filming it. I don't think he'd be as happy. <laughs> you know, like, oh, this dirty job, the world. I mean, I get stuck with this. You do it with somebody else. I don't know if it makes you happier. It's just half as dirty. <laughs> you, you just, you know, you get to split the work in half. But the truth is, anytime you do something together, there's incredible joy in the accomplishment of things. I told you about the gazebo the other week, right? Built this gazebo in the back of my uh, yard, and I kind of did it alone. <laughs> Um, although to put the roof up, we had to build it in sections, and I called an all-staff meeting at 4.30 at my house. <laughs> had all the other pastors come over, and we're lifting it up, and I'm like, this is why we call construction people. <laughs> <laughs> and we put it in place, and then we all step back, and it's like, it looks good. It looks good. I heard that. Somebody said crash. No, it looked good. There's a lot of faith that people have in my building abilities. <laughs> but the truth is, to stand there and observe it alone is one thing, but to do it together, there's incredible joy. When we learn to do things together and say, I want to take somebody with me, I want somebody to share in the essence of who I am and what I do, we can celebrate things along the way. The second thing is it says help in our time of need, not just joy in our toil, but help in our time of need. Have you ever been in a desperate situation you just needed help? I remember I, I fell asleep driving. I was going a decent clip and went off the road, sheared off a sign, ended in somebody's front lawn. It's pitch black, about two in the morning. And I, it broke my my seat, I'm laying flat in this car and I'm looking up and I thought, just like the movies, I'm waiting for the sirens. I'm like, somebody's gonna come help. And I laid there longer. And then it got longer 
And I was like, I haven't even heard a car go by. There ain't anybody coming to help me. And it was in that moment, you know what I needed? I needed someone to help. And then this guy pulled, pulled alongside the road. He goes, hey, man, you need some help? Now, he was heavily inebriated. <laughs> but he got me to the police station. <laughs> I thought, wow. I, the accident was scary. The ride to the police station was equally as scary. <laughs> but we need help in our time of need. He says, woe to the person who falls and has no one to lift him up. Listen, if you had, you were in a time where you needed somebody, do you have somebody that you could call? Not just that you could call, that you would call. Because, you know, people go, oh, yeah, I'd call Bill. Have you ever called Bill before in a time of need? No, but I, I could. What are we doing? We need to walk together. We need to know each other. We need to help each other. We need to stop this problem of aloneness and understand the beauty and the value of community. Then he talks about two lying together. It's this idea of resource that we need each other to be able to accomplish what God has called us to do, and then protection. I'm going to leave you with three takeaways. Really grab onto them. The first one is this. God cares deeply for the powerless and the oppressed, and we should too. Are you with me? God cares deeply for those who don't have a voice or those who feel like there is no hope. Let the people of God shine a bright light in that moment and care enough to do something, to say something. And the second is this, envy is a thief which always robs you of contentment. And I'm gonna tell you, people of God are being robbed blind. They're being robbed blind. Because as much as we look out and the world seems to be striving after things, we have lost this sense of contentment. And envy has come in and it has been a thief that is completely looted. The church, the people of God. We need to come back and say, God, help me to be content in whatever state I am therewith to be content. Then the last one is companionship is critical to living a happy and a purposeful life. Contentment. So we need companionship, we need contentment, and we need to be a voice for the oppressed. Isn't, don't you love Ecclesiastes? It's, it's pretty, it's heavy, it's rich, it's deep. But like I said at the beginning, when we came out of the gate, it's not in what we're, the season you're in, it's how you're responding to the season you're in. So I don't know where you're at with things, but God cares deeply about your response. So Father, this morning, as we bow before you and we recognize that you are the author of all things, all good things come from your hand. God, we recognize that there is evil in this world and there was all kinds of things oppressing those around us. God, help us be an advocate. Help us be a comforter. Help us to be a deliverer, a rescuer for those who are in need. God, help us to identify the thief that is walking in the back door of our life and trying to steal our contentment. God, help us 
have the, the posture of being content with what you've given us. And then God, help us walk with others. Let us not be the Lone Rangers, but God, help us to be the people that you have created us to be and community with others, realizing that together with each other and with you in the middle, it's a force that cannot be overcome. And so we give you praise, honor, and glory this morning. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.